Hi, I'm Kelly. And I'm Carrie. And And we're we're Identical Twins. Twins. We are so excited to talk to you about all things related to church music here on Hymn Talk, Twin Talk. Now, each week we will break down a hymn. It could be an old favorite or it could be one you've never heard of. But it is our prayer that you will worship with us no matter what song it is. So let's get started here on Hymn Talk, Twin Talk. Hi, everyone. Hi, everyone. I'm Kelly. I'm Carrie. And And we're we're Identical Twins. twins. It is so great to be here for episode 90. 90. Kelly, 90 seems crazy. I feel like all we do is talk about how high the numbers are. (laughs) I know, I know. But isn't 90 great? I mean, I I was just talking to someone new about my podcast. And I was like, we're on episode 90. I mean, that is not some like fly-by-night podcast. Like, we're here to stay. We're here to stay. How did we get so lucky that a huge, awesome hymn is our huge, awesome episode 90? Well, if you just look at the podcast plan, it all works out and makes sense. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this is a great one. And I really feel like it shows sort of the range of Hymn Talk, Twin Talk. So episode 89 was farther along, Mm -hmm. which we've gotten so much feedback that people really know that hymn. I know. Love that hymn. Who knew? Kelly and I didn't know it at all. Right. And I, but I, yet I think that when people hear Hymn Talk, Twin Talk, they're thinking hymns like this. Right. So I like doing the hymns like farther along Mm -hmm. because I don't think that's what people think of right away. Yeah. But they're thinking of hymns like, oh, for a thousand tongues to sing. That was episode 80. Or, oh, worship the king. I love that one. That was episode 67. And come thou fount of every blessing. Love that one. Episode 62. Right. Yeah. So if you're a fan of these kind of older, traditional, I mean, can we say like more classic sounding hymns? Well, just traditionally speaking, Mm -hmm. very much that pipe organ sound. Right. And this one actually is called the National Anthem of Christendom. I don't know if I should salute or stand up or put my hand over my heart. Like so that, that was one of our hits this past week. Yeah. I don't know if people were able to figure it out, although I think one little Google search and they would have found it. I National know. Anthem of Christendom. I, I, you know, our clues, you know, I have a friend who's like, I can never figure it out. I can never figure it out. I'm like, you could just Google, Google it. it. Like, it's okay. <laughs> you can cheat. That's you don't not, mind. I don't even think that's cheating. <laughs> Find the answer, figure it out. So yeah. quick little fun facts about this hymn before we give you the title. Okay. It's the National Anthem of Christendom. Mm-hmm. It's translated into almost every language that Christianity is known. That's amazing. Yep. And it is in a record number of hymnals. Mm-hmm. How about 3,327 hymnals? Wow. All right. All right. So are we going to tell them? <laughs> Yes, tell everybody what it is. Can you tell we're excited? (laughs) Episode 90, you probably already know, it's All Hail the Power of Jesus' Name. Woohoo! Such a great hymn. So good. (laughs) We just keep saying it over and over again. Yep. Now, this came as a request. Yes. So this comes from one of our Twitter followers. Twitterers? Twitterers? I mean, it's not even Twitter anymore. I know. One of our one of our exers ex followers exes I don't know exes that's so <laughs> funny. <laughs> 
Yeah, she's on Twitter. We do have people on Twitter who, mm-hmm. who listen and who follow. Mm-hmm. And I have to tell you, I put out a him clue on Twitter and they get it. The Twitter Xer people totally get <laughs> They know their hymns. They totally get my <laughs> clues. All right, so her name is Brenda mm-hmm. and she is living in Illinois. But how's this for a fun fact? Brenda grew up in Maine. Aww. So she's an East Coaster. And when she was a little girl in Maine, it was the Assemblies of God in Portland. She said Every Sunday, they sang this as the opening hymn. Wow. All hail the power of Jesus' name. And she said she was just a little girl and would hear it. I think us as adults, we would be like, why would you ever sing the same song every week? But as a child, I mean, how about building that habit, building that routine? Mm -hmm. You just know every week you're going to sing it. And so she gave this really sweet story. She said that she remembers it so fondly she would stand beside her mom and Mm. her mom would always sing alto oh and in her little mind she would sing and imagine people just putting a crown on jesus Mm. Mm -hmm. and she said she would give herself the shivers and and goosebumps just thinking about that and then when she said when she was old enough to really understand the words she was just like wow This is an amazing hymn from a little girl who just pictured a crown to an adult who totally gets it. Mm. She that's all she says is wow. And she did send us her hymn take. Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. Oh, good. Um, Well, I hope that this inspires some of our listeners to send your requests to us because there has to be a hymn that you remember from your childhood Mm -hmm. that you would like to hear a little bit more about. And I wanted to be really specific to do the hymn that. Brenda really was thinking about. Right. So I actually sent her the pictures okay. of the hymnal pages because there's different tunes. Right. So I wanted to know which tune she was most accustomed to. So she she told me she and we got the one. tune. Yep. Okay. Yep. All right. So we talked a little bit about this hymn and how it stood the test of time. Mm-hmm. It's in so many hymnals. It's the national anthem of Christendom. Mm-hmm. I feel like every time we say that we should do our do 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 fanfare. Yeah. Ready? Let's try it. All hail the power of, of Jesus' name, name the, the national anthem of Christendom. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that, that's, that, makes that sense. works. That works. That works. <laughs> Actually, you know how some hymns, like you just picture pipe organ? Yes. Yeah, this is definitely pipe organ, but I also could picture wait, wait. like. We should say it at the same time because I picture something. An instrument. Yeah. Like playing, like maybe even like two of them yeah, or, or with the organ or whatever. <laughs> ready? One, What's- two, three. <laughs> Wait a minute, we're just going to say the instrument. Yeah. Are you going to say like a duet or a no. quartet? Just say the name of what the instrument. What instruments do you picture? Okay, ready? One, One two, two, three, trumpets. trumpets. We're twins. <laughs> <laughs> Every time we say something the same, we have to do that. Yeah, it has yeah. this regal, mm-hmm. powerful, majestic feel to it. Mm-hmm. I definitely hear brass. Mm-hmm. But I was like, is she going to say, you know, a brass quartet? Is she going to say, oh, right, right, you right. know, a marching band? <laughs> <laughs> definitely not marching marching band. Yeah. So a hymn like this that has stood the test of time is quite popular is the national anthem of Christendom. <laughs> Good job, Gary. Thank you. Thank you. Um, it's going to have some stories that have, you know, kind of gone along with the hymn or with the hymn being the center of the stage for these stories. I read these stories online there's no way of verifying them. There's no way really? of knowing if they're f- true. But I saw them in multiple places. So there's stories that people are passing along. So one of these stories is a woman who was on her deathbed and she kept repeating the word bring 
and her family was there and her caretakers were there and they couldn't figure out what she wanted them to bring to her. They would bring other things and, you know, it wasn't the right thing. She would say, bring, bring in her, you know, weak voice um, until finally she sang, bring forth the royal diadem and crown him Lord of all. That's amazing. And so finally, her family realized what she was meaning when she kept saying bring. And the story goes that she died soon after that. I feel like that has to be a true story. Right. I, I mean, are you, are you questioning it? No, no. I've read it a couple of times. It just yeah. seems... A couple of different places. Yeah. 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 What a testimony that is to the people who were in her hospital mm-hmm. room. Mm-hmm. I mean, Kelly... What do you think you would sing on your deathbed? Oh my gosh, Gary, well, I have she, no idea. She picked out like a really, uh, just I a know. phrase. It's not even the opening line. It's not mm-hmm. a refrain. Mm-hmm. She picked out one phrase. Mm-hmm. I mean, she was nearing the gates of heaven, right? And she's and those ringing. Words, right, those words diadem. came to her. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, another story that we found, again, not 100% sure it's true, but I mean, I feel like these anecdotes are true. Right. They've been passed on because they are true. Maybe, maybe they get embellished or something. Yeah. So this is a a missionary, Mm -hmm. a man by the name of E.P. Scott, and he was going to this like primitive Indian tribe to share the gospel. And when he got there, he was greeted with these people holding their spears up high. They closed in on him. They surrounded him. But right there... He took out his violin. Mm -hmm. I mean, who needs a spear when you have a violin? (laughs) My goodness. He takes out his violin, and of course, he sings All Hail the Power, the national anthem of Christendom. (laughs) (laughs) And he sings it, and Kelly, he reached the stanza, so he's singing the whole thing, Mm. which is amazing. You know it by heart. You you play it on the violin. You're scared for your life. And he gets to the part, let every kindred, every tribe and slowly the spearmen lowered their wel- weapons and welcomed him. And he spent the remainder of his years in India mm. ministering to these people. Wow. But I mean, they didn't speak English, so they didn't understand. <laughs> Let every kindred, every tribe. I know, but maybe the violin sounded so yeah. pretty. The Holy yeah. Spirit moved. Whole, and of that's course. That's it. Of, God, of course. In that moment, God saved yeah. him. Yeah. yeah. So I bet you if we even did more research and asked and talked to people, there would be even more stories. I know. And there would be stories of every hymn, you know. There's That's hymns true. that are special to people. Right. But those are two that we found, and right. we just thought we would share them with you. And, of course, we know the words are there. Mm-hmm. They both, the the woman dying and the, the missionary in India, they sang the words. But we actually don't know what tune they used. Right. And there are... Three, at least, three good, solid tunes that are still being sung, still being published today. And our hymnal alone. I was just going to say this. Has two. 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 So should we show the tune? You just sang a little bit of it, Cal. Right. So we're going to do the first tune. The tune is called Coronation. Coronation. And we sang this in our church recently. Mm -hmm. It kind of sounds like a coronation march. I mean, I think that's what you were talking about earlier. You know, that kind of regal, majestic sound. They create the tune for it, and they call it coronation, because literally that's what it sounds like. Yeah, when I said marching band... Yeah, I mean, I wasn't thinking <laughs> like marching band. I was thinking of like you know, yeah, like the processional in, yes, yes. like the royal, and they're marching. Yes, they but are it's not marching. like they're at a football game. <laughs> All right, so we're going to talk about um, coronation, and we're going to talk about the composer of that. But before we get into it, let's sing. Okay, 
So we're going to do verse one and let's do the coronation tune. Perfect. All hail the power of Jesus' name. Let angels prostrate fall. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him Lord of all. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him Lord of all. Kelly, that's really fun to sing. Very fun. I can to- so I sang alto for pretty, really, pretty much most of it. Mm, a couple of times, mm-hmm. I just sang unison with you. But I could see how Brenda would have enjoyed her mom mm-hmm. singing that alto part. Right, right. The alto part's fun. The alto part is fun. It kind of jumps around a few times. I felt like I could hear like the trumpets kind of going back and forth. It yes, really it did, did remind sound. me of this regal, majestic sound. I heard it too. I heard it too. So this this tune is described as a stately tune. Yeah, stately. That's another that. great word. Yeah. In duple meter. Okay, so it's not like in 3-4. It doesn't yep. sound like a dance. It it's, sounds like a march. It is. It is the character of a coronation march. Mm-hmm. All right, so do you want to hear about this composer? Yes. <laughs> okay, so coronation is written by a man named Oliver Holden. Oliver Holden was born on September 18th, 1765 in, are you ready? Shirley, Massachusetts. Stop it. (laughs) I was so excited to tell Carrie this. I did not know this, you guys. I didn't research him. Mm -hmm. Kelly, Shirley. Yep. Kelly, we've been to Shirley many times. Many times. Do you remember we performed yes, there? Yes, we performed there. <laughs> All right. So this guy is kind of amazing. He was born in Shirley during the American Revolutionary War. He was a Marine for a year on the USS Dean, which returned to Boston with at least one British prize while he was in the crew. And for his service, he received an annual pension. He then ended up becoming a carpenter, and he moved to Charlestown, Massachusetts, And he helped to, as a carpenter, rebuild it after the war. He was a carpenter and a real estate dealer. And he also organized music schools and served as legislator and pastor. He was a Baptist. In 1791, he joined the first Baptist church in Boston. And he became leader of the choir. And in 1801, he and some other people left that church and started the first Baptist church in Charlestown. Okay, so can we just talk about Charlestown for a little bit? Yes. I actually love Charlestown. Okay. So I have a friend who moved there. She sold her, you know, house in the suburbs, and she and her husband decided now that they have an empty nest that they would live in Charlestown. Okay. It is such a cute town. Now, it's very tiny. And it's very close to Boston. It's very close to Boston. I really think that most people just think it is Boston. Right, But it's its own town. It's Charlestown. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, a couple of fun facts. Yes. On June 17, 1775, Charlestown was the site of one of the most important battles of the Revolutionary War. Wow. The Battle of Bunker Hill. I didn't even know Bunker Hill was in Charlestown. I know. Most people think Boston. I know. And almost the entire town was destroyed because of that battle. 
And he was one of the carpenters that helped rebuild it, our hymn uh, writer right, today. Right. So also, if you want to go to Charlestown, you can see the Bunker Hill Monument, mm-hmm. which I feel like it's a kind of that staple yeah. field trip that yeah. all elementary schools, I remember going to the Bunker mm-hmm. Hill Monument. Mm-hmm. They also have the USS Constitution Museum. Yep. They also have the Charlestown Navy Yard. Mm-hmm. And personally, I would love to recommend the Warren Tavern. Ooh. Okay, so Kelly, I have gone to this tavern twice. They have great food. Wow. And it is literally the oldest tavern in Massachusetts. Wow. Yeah, how's that for a fun fact? That's a fun fact. So, Carrie, I'm thinking that we need a field trip to Boston and Charlestown. I would totally go. So, because I found that his original manuscripts are in the old state house, and there's a section oh. of Boston archives, and we can see his music. And, of course, this is the website for the old state house museum. Okay. And so, it is saying, oh, a lot of his music is sacred, like, because people wouldn't care about it. You know, but we would want to go and see his sacred music. We, we care. Yes. We care. But he actually wrote a song called Ode to Columbia's Favorite Son. This is a fun fact, Carrie. Who's Columbia's favorite son? Any guesses? George Washington? Yes. When George Washington visited Boston in 1789, he wrote this song and a full choir sang the music when he arrived at the old state house. Wow. Yeah, is that amazing? And Carrie, this guy was just amazing. Besides being a real estate developer, besides being a <laughs> carpenter, besides being a hymn writer, how about he actually was in the Massachusetts House of Representatives on behalf of his town multiple times. He kept getting voted back in. And his mansion, which he lived in a beautiful mansion, he built it himself around 1800, later became the Oliver Holden School, a kindergarten right for Boston students. He died in Charlestown on September 4th, 1844. Wow. And just before he died, his last words are reported to have been, are you ready? This is a direct quote. I feel like it's bring forth the royal <laughs> It's just bring. <laughs> bring. 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 All right, all right. Direct quote. Sorry. <clears throat> Attention, please. He said, I have some beautiful airs running through my head oh. if I only had the strength to note them down. Wow. And if we go and see his tomb, it says, Here sleeps the sweet singer Oliver Holden, composer of the tune Coronation, and it has his birth date and his death date. And then it says, All hail the power of Jesus' name. Let angels prostrate fall. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him Lord of all. Oh. Yeah. I cannot believe we have this local hymn writer. I, I am so excited. And we don't even need our captain to say, let's no. go. No, but we do like the captain. This is your captain. <laughs> we, no, we can just drive we to We can Boston. just drive. But and I really want to do it and I want to take the kids. Well, I don't want to wait for all the kids to be available. You and I have to go like tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> let's go tomorrow. Oh, gosh. So that's Oliver Holden. I love that it has this Boston connection. Yeah. And it is definitely... The hymn tune that we use. Yeah. Yeah. So speaking of that. Yes. Let's talk about the other one. All right. So Carrie's going to tell us about the next hymn tune. Now this hymn tune is called Diadem. And this was written by a man named James Eller. James Eller was born on November 26th in the year 1819 in Droylsden, England. And this is just a short distance from Manchester, England. Okay. Now, Kelly, he wasn't a hymn writer by trade. Mm -hmm. He was, of course, multi-talented. He was a hat maker. Mm. 
And there was actually a hat making factory in Droylston. So oh. many people in the town were, we're hat, hat makers. makers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm picturing him like in his basement, like sewing hats. No, but no, no, he's there's in the a factory. factory. Yeah. And Kelly, he wrote this hit hymn tune when he was only 19 years old. Wow. And he had composed it because he saw the words, all hail the power. And right, he right. was inspired by those words, mm-hmm. named the hymn tune diadem. And behold, we have this hymn. Wow. You know, we don't always find that hymn writers are inspired by the words right. and then create their tune. Right. You know, sometimes the tune comes up all on its own mm-hmm. and goes with any words. Mm-hmm. He composed it for those words. Mm-hmm. Now, he was attending the Wesleyan Chapel in town and he actually wrote it for the Sunday school anniversary of their of this home church. Wow. Yeah. So Kelly, he was leading the choir. I mean, he was just a teenager. Wow. He was leading the choir. Wow. And many people would come to sing with him. They had regular uh, practices mm-hmm. and people would come from miles around. And many would attend the services just to enjoy the blessing of the music. Kelly, he ends up coming to America. He did. And Oh my gosh, did he come to Boston? <laughs> <laughs> he was actually in New York. But he, um, very sadly, I mean, he was sewing these hats, Kelly. Mm-hmm. And they say that the black thread on the black hat harmed his eyes. Oh my gosh. And he lost his vision. Wow. For several years before he died, he was blind. Yeah. Wow. And of course, at this point, this tune is the only hymn he's remembered for. Oh. Yeah. So he composed it in triple meter. So it's different from the duple that we just saw. Very different. Oh my gosh. This is like a musical nerd moment. M&M's. Always fun. (laughs) The difference between duple and triple, it would have a very different feel. So where we called the coronation hymn tune more like a march, we would call this one, this diadem tune, more like a minuet. Right. So they are very different. Yeah. All right. Let's show them. Let's read verse two, Kelly. Let's give them different words. Verse two with this tune by James Eller, diadem. Ye chosen seed of Israel's race, ye ransomed from the fall, ye ransomed from the fall. Hail him who saves you by his grace and crown him, crown him. It was fun. So I don't know if people noticed, but I sang the bass part. Right. The bass. Good good job, Carrie. I give you a round of applause. (laughs) (laughs) Carrie sings bass. That was fun. I mean, we just said how fun the Oliver Holden tune was. This is pretty fun, too. I actually think it's funner. More fun, (laughs) Kelly. There's something... Really, it just moves so well. Mm-hmm. Wow. So I do think that it would be just thrilling to hear this in four parts, like S-A-T-B. I think you're right. And actually, Kel, when we think about James Eller, he wrote it. He, he wrote it for his choir. Right. He knew what they were capable of. Right. He wrote it for them. I imagine he had awesome basses. Yeah, He probably true. had a whole crew yeah. of men. And he's like, I'm going to give you this awesome just, part. Just wait. Just wait till you see what I'm going to make for you. <laughs> and then the men would sing. Crown him. (laughs) 
Did we sound like low in our voices no, for our I listeners? I don't really think that's at all what James Eller wanted. But Kelly's so good. And he added this refrain. Right. So this whole crowning business that we're mm-hmm. talking about, this was not in the coronation tune. No. But o- Oliver Holden like repeated the line, we did bring forth the royal diadem twice. Right. So it's not here twice, but we'd have this big crowning section. Right. This big refrain that gets sung, you know, four or five, depending on how many verses you do. So those men, those basses, they're just like singing away. It must have been so much fun. Yeah. Yeah. This is when I think Kelly wishes she had a male co-host for him to <laughs> talk to <laughs> I mean, and you hear it has such a different feel. It still is powerful, but with that three, four time, it definitely has a different feel. No, I definitely feel like, whereas the picture in my head where the angels would be stately and walking and, you know, processing in with 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 the the crown, crown, with the diadem, with the diadem, I feel like in this one, they're dancing around. They're twirling and they're dancing. That's what, it's such a different feel. So both of those hymn tunes are in our hymnal. Yes. Um, But we really do the coronation most often. I cannot wait to get to our listeners and hear their opinions which tune is Mm -hmm. sung at your church because we actually have a third tune right a third tune which I think is the one that's most popular in England which is where our hymn writer was from this tune is named Miles Lane and it's by the composer William Shrubsole (laughs) Shrubsole Really? Yeah, they just put the two words together, shrub Shrub and like the sole of your foot. Right. Yeah. This is Miles Lane. Oh, that with yonder sacred throng we at his feet may fall. We'll join the everlasting song and crown him, crown him, crown him. Crown him Lord of all. Okay, I've never heard that never. before. I mean, I know there were parts of it that seemed familiar to me, no. you know? And I feel like there was one too many crown hymns. I mean, there was a lot of crown hymns. I just feel like there was one too many. You it's didn't feel so like. It's funny that each composer kind of tweaked the crown hymns in a certain way. Yeah. Like, why? What was, I wish we knew what the hymn writer originally would have wanted. I know, like his original words. How many times did he say crown him? I don't think that many. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So we have to find out from our listeners, is this more popular in the Church of England, in European churches? I'm dying to know. Mm -hmm. So we just sang what is generally considered the last verse, right? Right. And I love that. It's a great, it's a great last verse. We'll join the everlasting Lasting song. Oh. So here we are talking about the angels in heaven. Mm-hmm. We will be with them and joining for right. eternity. It will be us. Yep. All right. So let's hear about this William Shrubsole. William Shrubsole was born on... Oh, we don't have his birth date, Carrie. <laughs> oh, we can't have a party for him. We have his baptism date. Okay. As a baby, he was baptized January 13th in 1760. So they estimate that his birth date would have been less than a week before that. So somewhere between January 6th and January 10th or 11th. And he was born in England and he sang in the choir at Canterbury Cathedral. And he became the organist at Bangor Cathedral. But guess what? He was dismissed for attending nonconformist meetings. 
And we've seen this happen in England. The the musicians, the choir directors, the mm-hmm. pastors themselves didn't really want to be aligned with the Church of England. Right. So they started, you know, doing other stuff. Right. Um, but then they got in trouble for it. Um, he ended up working as the organist at Spa Fields Chapel in London, and he he did hold that post until he died. So some other church was willing to hire him. Now, a little bit of a fun fact. He is buried at Bunhill Fields in London, and with him are the great-great-grandparents of J.R.R. Tolkien. What? We could go and visit both tombs. The, wait Their were names were John Benjamin and Mary Tolkien. And the great-great-grandparents? Yeah, great-great. No. So where did this Miles Lane come from? Well, they met in a church, a chapel in London, and it was a congregation of independents. You know, they yeah. didn't, they weren't really fond of the Church of, of England. And they were in this chapel that met on St. Michael's Lane. And so many people think that it was just a shortened version okay. and kind of a an uh, paying homage to, you know, where they kind of met. Mm-hmm. Um, and we would love to go to England and look at this, but no, the church was demolished in 1831 to make way for the new London Bridge. Aww. People in England know that there was an old London right. Bridge and a new London Bridge. Mm-hmm. So they took the St. Michael's Church down. Now, some sources say that the hymn writer, which we haven't even talked about yet, right, right, right. a man named Edward Perinet and William Shrubsole were good friends. But I don't even want to say that sources say they were good friends. Carrie, they had to be good friends. Right. Perinet, the hymn writer, named Shrubsole the executor of his will. Wow. Yes. And left him a pretty big chunk of money in his will. And Shrubsole is buried at Bunhill Fields, again, with Tolkien's grandparent, great-great-grandparents. And on his tombstone is in engraved the notes of Miles Lane. Oh, I love that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love when they put the music on the tombstone. Mm-hmm. Now I'll tell you, um, Ralph Vaughn Williams. Oh, wouldn't he be Rafe? Rafe? I mean, that, this is a fairly famous composer from England. Mm-hmm. He wrote all sorts of pieces, orchestral, mm-hmm. choral, yeah. He did not like Shrub Soul, Gary. Oh, what was his problem? He wrote an article in the Manchester Guardian and he titled the article, Shrub Soul. <laughs> That's a and, real catchy, catchy <laughs> article title. And the article just criticized him as a wow. composer. He describes him. Okay, this is a direct quote. Okay. <clears throat> Attention, please. He called him a one-tune man. What? Saying that he wrote this one superb <laughs> tune and no more. <laughs> well, I mean, he's not wrong. <laughs> he really did write this one tune. It's on his tombstone. Poor shrubs. But what's Rafe? Von Williams should just mind his own business. I know. Leave the guy That's, alone. He sounds a little jealous to me. I know. <laughs> he wrote one awesome song. Mm-hmm. Just because Rafe Von Williams wrote, you know, hundreds. <laughs> so you guys, those are our three hymn tunes. Coronation by Oliver Holden. Diadem by James Eller. And Miles Lane by the one hit wonder. <laughs> What's his name again? William Shrubsole. How could you forget that? I'll never forget Shrubsole. Never, never. Um, I wish he wrote more, Kelly. I want to hear more from Shrubsole. I want to prove Rayfon Williams wrong. Wrong. (laughs) All right, so now that we've finished all the composers, we need to talk about this hymn writer who wrote the words. Right. He wrote these words that inspired all of these amazing tunes, actually. I I mean, he was quite the poet. 
So mm-hmm. the hymn writer is named Edward Perinet. Mm-hmm. I mean, would it be Perineka? I was thinking that. He was born in the year 1726 in Sundridge, Kent, England. And we actually don't know exactly when he was born. Mm-hmm. We don't know exactly when or where, and we don't know when he was baptized either. Now, we do know that he was the son of the Reverend Vincent Perinet, who was the vicar of Shoreham, Kent. And he was, and this is quoting Kelly, an intimate associate of the Wesleys. Yes. I feel like people just, you know, name dropped the Wesleys. I'm an intimate associate. No, they are good friends, Gary. Are you sure? (laughs) (laughs) They actually ended up traveling together. Okay. Um, But let's talk a little bit about this Perinet family because they originally came from France. So, so my guess is is that they would have been the Perinet family. from France. Now, they were Huguenots. Huguenots. What's that? Yeah. What's that? Have What's you heard that? that word before? I have. And I thought that it was about, you know, their geographical location. Mm-hmm. But we learned that it's actually about their religion, their yes. faith. So Huguenots were Protestants living in France, representing about 2% of the French population at Mm -hmm. the time. And they were persecuted by the French Catholic government in the 16th and 17th centuries. And so many of them fled. The place to go at that point was Switzerland. Okay, His family did move to Switzerland, and then they ended up in England. And actually, because of the persecution in France, there was a time that was particularly violent. Yeah. And the Huguenots fled the country and went all over in right. the 17th century. So you'll find Huguenot settlements in Europe, all over Europe, even in the United States and Africa. Mm-hmm. So his father moves to England. He moves the family to England. He ends up being a vicar. So they're obviously very much involved with the Church of England. Mm-hmm. But at some point, Edward Perinet decides he doesn't want to be aligned with the Church of England anymore. And who does he align himself with? The The Wesleys. He became a traveling Methodist preacher who wanted to just share the gospel to everybody. And, you know, there was this 18th century revival in England. And the Wesleys and Perinet were part of it. And the reason why we have a lot of information is because the Wesleys did a lot of writing. So Perinet was, like, mentioned in the Wesleys' diaries. And Perinet kept a diary. And the Wesleys were mentioned in his diary. So we have a lot of information on these men. In John Wesley's diary, he noted that Edward, Edward Perinet himself, was thrown down and rolled in mud and mire. These Methodists were persecuted in England. So just like there's stories about All Hail the Power, we have this story about Charles Wesley and Perinet. Perinet is right there with Charles and John. It's so funny, Kelly. We have done... A few episodes right. on Charles Wesley. Yeah. I wonder if in our research, like maybe his name popped up yeah. and we didn't even notice. We didn't even notice. Yeah. So anyways, Charles Wesley wanted Perinet to preach. Okay. He wanted him to preach. He'd been asking and asking and asking, but Perinet kept saying no. I'm not sure why, but he didn't want to preach. And so Charles Wesley announces it the next morning at the church and says at five o'clock Perinet was going to preach. That's what he said, five o'clock. And Perinet, it's it says that he had too much respect for the congregation to refuse, but he really didn't want to give wow. Wesley his way. He stood up in front of the congregation and he said to them he never agreed to preach. He said that he felt weak and inadequate to stand in the very place Wesley stood. Wow. But he pledged to give them the best sermon that had ever been delivered. So he stands up, he opens the Bible, 
and he just simply reads the entire Sermon on the Mount. He never spoke a word of his own. He didn't make any note of comment or commentary. And then he closed the service by singing and praying. And the quote about that sermon is, no imitator has been able to produce equal effect. Wow. So they loved Perrinet reading the Sermon on the Mount. I mean, I have to just say, we had someone mm-hmm. read the Sermon on the Mount, mm-hmm. just read the, the ESV translation. Um, but he's an actor, he's an orator, he's mm-hmm. a wonderful speaker, and he did such an incredible job. It was amazing to hear the whole thing in its entirety. I have to imagine yeah. that what we saw when when this man at our church did it mm-hmm. like was what they felt when they heard Perinay. Mm-hmm. It was really powerful. It was very well received on this evening. Good for Perrinet. Mm -hmm. I mean, he really didn't want to do anything on his own. He didn't Mm want to make his own commentary. He just Mm -hmm. read scripture. Mm -hmm. So we learned in one of our Wesley episodes that Charles and John, the brothers, disagreed. Yep, they didn't get along. They had a period of, of strife, um, but then they resolved it. They came back together. They were estranged. Well, Perrinet... He's going to argue with them too. Of course he is. So Perinay ends up arguing with the Wesleys, most specifically Charles, um, because John and Charles weren't, weren't agreeing either, about who could give the sacraments. Was it a divinely called preacher? Could it be helpers? Um, and so they weren't agreeing. And so again, once again, this man, Edward Perinay, who is described as passionate, impulsive, and strong-willed, breaks away from the Wesleys. He breaks away from the Wesleys, and he starts to work back in a Church of England. Um, But again, they are arguing and not agreeing once again. And so he leaves that post, and he ends up taking a post at an independent chapel in Canterbury. And you would think that that's where it would end. He was a dissenter. He was not part of the Church of England. He pastored an independent congregation. But guess what? Edward Perrinet is buried in the cloisters of Canterbury Cathedral. So clearly, he had a huge impact in England. Right. I mean, there's and there's so many things that I read about him. You know, I, I would say that he could potentially be a hashtag hymn legend. Because even though he only wrote one hymn that I we know. know of, he, had a, he did a ton of other writing. And he wrote tons of hymns that were anonymous, so we will never know. But this is a theological writer. Um, he is a leading Presbyterian minister and a religious writer in the United States, um, you know, last century. Uh-huh. And he wrote that Edward Perrinet was one of the best Christian writers you will ever read. He has a unique way of saying things that make truth seem so easy to understand. Wow. So other Christian writers are looking to him for the example. And I also think that the fact that England still sort of honors him yeah. as a, you know, leader in, in the church, yeah. but yet he was against the church, right. really has to say something for the kind of person that he was. Yeah. So he, this is a quote of his when referring to the Church of England. <clears throat> Attention, please. I was born and am like to die in the tottering communion of the Church of England, but I despise her nonsense. What? And thank God that I have once read a book that no fool can answer and that no honest man will. And the book he's referring to is called The Dissenting Gentleman's Answer to the Reverend Mr. White. This letter and this book are preserved in the British Museum. And, of course, that created quite the scene in England at the time that he said those things. 
Of course it did. I mean, <laughs> I, it's like them's fighting words. I can't even believe that's not like traitorous, you know, like yeah. the Church of England. They still buried him in Canterbury. Like right. such a huge religious place for them. Wow. So he published three volumes of Christian poems, including a poetic rendering of the scriptures. And again, that is in the British Museum. Like the entire Bible? I'm not sure. But doesn't that sound amazing? Yes. So can we go to England, to the British Museum? Yes, 100%. (laughs) And see his poetic rendering. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. So he died on January 2nd, 1792 in Canterbury. And these are presumably his last words. I think it must be bring, (laughs) bring, no. (laughs) Glory to God in the height of his divinity, Glory to God in the depth of his humanity. Glory to God in his all-sufficiency. Into his hands, I commend my spirit. So after we leave Charlestown, after we drive 20 minutes, we have to go to Canterbury. For sure. The British Museum will do all of it. Mm. So that is everything about the four Four men. I mean, Kelly, we don't always have hymns with this many people to talk about. I know. I mean, sometimes you have translators mixed Mm -hmm. in, and but this was a lot. Mm -hmm. Well, now what's left, Carrie, are these words. Okay, we sang three three verses. We did, and Perinay is responsible for the words. We just talked about Mm -hmm. him. So, Kelly, he wrote eight verses. That's crazy. Yeah. And those words inspired these tunes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I, can we read all eight? Yeah. People Let, need to hear all eight. Right. So we're going to have Reluca play. Yes. The Holden tune. The one that was written by the guy from Boston. Coronation. Mm-hmm. And let's have all eight verses. Mm-hmm. Verse one. All hail the power of Jesus' name. Let angels prostrate fall. Bring forth the royal diadem. And crown him Lord of all. Let highborn seraphs tune the lyre, and as they tune it, fall before his face who tunes their choir, and crown him Lord of all. Crown him, ye morning stars of light, who launched this floating ball. Now hail the strength of Israel's might, and crown him Lord of all. Crown him, ye martyrs of your God, who from his altar call, extol the stem of Jesse's rod, and crown him Lord of all. Ye chosen seed of Israel's race, ye ransomed from the fall, hail him who saves you by his grace, and crown him Lord of all. Hail him, ye heirs of David's line, whom David Lord did call the God incarnate, man divine, and crown him Lord of all. Sinners whose love can ne'er forget the wormwood and the gall, go spread your trophies at his feet and crown him Lord of all. Let every kindred, every tribe on this terrestrial ball to him all majesty ascribe and crown him Lord of all. But our very own John Rippon was the one who added this one. Oh, that with yonder sacred throng we at his feet may fall. We'll join the everlasting song and crown him Lord of all. And I love that one. I know. It wasn't even Perinay. It was John Rippon. Mm -hmm. 
Now, we talked about John Rippon when we did um, How Firm a Foundation. He's an accomplished mm-hmm. yes. hymn writer, hymnal editor. Mm-hmm. I mean, he d- had a lot of things that he did. Mm-hmm. Well, this is what he did. Okay. He omitted Perenet's second, yeah. third, and sixth verse, altered the words to the, what remained, and then added two of his own stanzas. So, Carrie, even with all the changes yeah. and the three different hymn tunes, it still is just a hymn of praise. Mm-hmm. A hymn of praise. Now, I think this is a very interesting question, and I'm curious if you know the answer. I, I probably don't. Go ahead. <laughs> Do the words, all hail, ever appear in the Bible? I don't think so. Seriously? <laughs> you, well, you said you probably wouldn't know it. It was a self-fulfilling prophecy. It was. So all hail. Okay, are you ready for this? All, if I give you 10 guesses of where all hail. Oh, I want 10 guesses. (laughs) Let's go. Okay, (laughs) listeners. Where does the words words all hail come from? I'm going to say Romans. Nope. That's a good guess. Is it a good guess? No. I was going to, I was thinking Psalms. I was too. Revelation. I I thought Psalm would be too obvious. Right. And I thought Revelation would be too obvious. And then I was thinking maybe Isaiah because some of the prophecies, you know. No. I'm going to say Genesis. No, that's another good guess. But like, I mean, we have 66 books in the Bible, so we can just keep going. Are you ready? Uh, Wait, wait, wait. Just give me, is it old or new? New. And it's not Romans? And like the most important person said these words. Peter? (laughs) (laughs) Carrie's in a silly mood tonight. I mean, it was said by Jesus. It was said by Jesus. Are you ready? All hail were Christ's first recorded words after the resurrection. And when he spoke, the two Marys fell and worshipped him. Well, what's the rest of the sentence? All hail what? So it's Matthew 28, 9. I had to go back to the King James Version, Carrie, sure, because sure. it wasn't in a more current translation. And it says, Matthew 28, 9, And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them saying, all hail. Okay, so Carrie, let me draw you a picture. Okay. <laughs> it's Easter morning, <laughs> but no one called it that then. So Jesus has risen from the dead. Mm-hmm. He sees the women at the grave. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary go to the tomb. And when they're there, they see the angel. And the angel says to them, you know, do not fear. He is not here. He is risen. Come see the place where the Lord lay. And the women, you know, they are the first to hear of the news of the empty tomb. And they depart quickly to go and tell everyone else what had happened. Right. And Matthew 28, 9 says, And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, All hail. And they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. Now, this word that Jesus uses to greet the women translates as either good morning or rejoice. Now, it was the standard Greek greeting used at this time. And actually, people compare it to the modern hello. So all hail, hello. So I think it's so funny that Edward Perrinet sees these words all hail and gives them, I think, a little bit more meaning than probably what was intended. But either way, it's Christ's first spoken words after his resurrection. Kelly, I am like speechless. I, <laughs> Do you think our listeners are too? I mean, I thought all hail meant worship. Mm-hmm. It meant somehow to praise. Mm-hmm. It literally is like saying, hi. hi. <laughs> <laughs> wow. 
But if you look at other translations, so if we look at the NIV, okay, which came out much later, and I that that's the Bible we grew up on. Yeah, Jesus says greetings. <laughs> so it's not even like this big fancy hello. It's right. just greetings. Greetings. It literally is just hello. But either way, you know, when the when the women saw him and heard his voice, they worshipped. They fell down and worshipped. And that, I think, is the point of the hymn. Right. Worship. Right. So regardless of the all hail, the thing that happened after is that the Marys worshipped. Mm-hmm. They worshipped. They fell down and worshipped. And that, I think, is the point of the hymn, All Hail the Power of Jesus' Name. Well, is that the hymnspiration? I would say so. I it would is say a, so. Yeah, it is about worshiping. Worshiping here, worshiping in heaven, mm-hmm. worshiping with the angels. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I have to think that that is what Edward Perrinet wanted to continually bring home, that point, mm-hmm. that we are worshiping him. And what are we doing? We are crowning him Lord of all. And everyone is doing it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we could do a whole, what does the Bible say? What does the <laughs> Bible say? Because there are verses about praise all over the Old and New Testament. Mm-hmm. But if we just look at Perrinet's words for each verse, he literally describes every type of being and person Praising God. Verse 1. Let angels prostrate fall. There's his verse 1. And he's mm-hmm. saying angels in heaven yeah. worship. And we see that all in Revelation. Mm-hmm. And then verse 2. Let high-born seraphs tune the lyre. So it's about the seraphs, these heavenly beings. Again. So, and actually there was that gentleman who had a lot of criticism for poor Edward Perrinet. He says that that verse is clunky and awkward <laughs> and almost comical because it says, wow. let highborn seraphs tune the lyre and as they tune it, fall. <laughs> like as if they're going to fall. But it says before his face, you know. Right. So, I mean, we I know. I mean, technically, they should tune it first and then fall. <laughs> I mean, they can't fall, it, fall while they're tuning. As they tune it. But you can see why that verse is mm-hmm. not sung anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, so verse one, angels. Verse two, seraphs. Yeah. Verse three, crown him, ye morning stars of light. Who launched this floating ball. It's like literally the beginning of of time mm-hmm. the, let there be light it's the beginning of time who launched this floating ball i mean it has a poetic kind of nature yeah, to it it does but it's the one that they cut i yeah, mean nobody's yeah. singing about the floating ball <laughs> all right how about verse four this okay. is interesting crown him ye martyrs of your god the martyrs, the saints and the martyrs. Mm-hmm. Who've gone before us, who are dead. Mm-hmm. They're also like in heaven probably. Yeah. They're martyrs, right? Right. And there's, he's saying all of you have to praise God yeah. too and crown him Lord of all. Right. He's saying crown him. And then verse five. Ye chosen seed of Israel's race. Now, so here we have verse five, which is ye chosen seed of Israel's race, which is in most of our hymnals. Yes. And verse 6, which has mostly been cut, it is, Hail him, ye heirs of David's line. So both of them are talking about the line of David. Both of them are talking about the Israel's race. Both of them are talking about, you know, the Jewish people, the chosen people, God's people. I feel like Perrinet wants to make sure that no one is left out. Right. He's being so thorough. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, there's your five and six, which is basically, you know, every descendant. Yeah. And then verse seven. 
sinners whose love can ne'er forget. I mean, the sinners. That's basically everyone, every human being, mm-hmm. a sinner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then our awesome verse eight. Let, Let every kindred, every tribe on this terrestrial ball. I mean, every single living person of on every this tribe, earth. every, yep. and that really is quoting the famous passage in Revelation that, you know, every tongue, every nation, yep. every tribe will gather together and sing his praises. You know, I love this because it takes, you know, like one sentence. Mm-hmm. Every being mm. will worship the Lord mm-hmm. and crown him. Mm-hmm. But then he does it in such a poetic way right. by like naming them mm-hmm. and listing them and describing them. And it's a very cool thing, Cal, because it's all about praise. Mm-hmm. It's not like every verse tells a new story right. or every verse, you know, advances to a new part of the Bible. I mean, it's all the same about praise. And it's heavenly beings, yeah. earthly beings. He was just creative. People who've gone before us, mm-hmm. you know. And then Rippin, our friend, decides to add this one more verse, which I don't think is very necessary, but it is in most of our hymnals now. And if your hymnal has a good editor and a good publisher, it actually says say. verse three written by John Rippin. Mm-hmm. And he says, Oh, that with yonder sacred throng we at his feet may fall. We'll join the everlasting song and crown him Lord of all. So those are Rippin's words. Right. But the thing that I do love about that, no, it's not saying anything different, but it is saying we'll join the everlasting right. song. We will all be in heaven. Right. It gives us our future. For eternity, yep. worshiping God. This hymn is a hymn of praise. Yep. It reminds me of holy, holy, holy. Oh, worship the king. Yeah. These hymns that are just full of praise. Yeah. So I really want to look at the Bible here. Okay. I actually love Philippians 2, verses Mm -hmm. 9 to 11. Mm -hmm. What does the Bible Mm. say? Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. I mean, that's what he's saying. Like Mm -hmm. every thing, every being. Mm -hmm. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Mm -hmm. This is an amazing hymn. It is so full of praise that it should be in every hymnal. And it is. It's in like over 3,000 hymnals, Gary. All right, so Kel, we have a performance here. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We have a gentleman who's going to sing it for us. Okay, so this is Matt Fouch. Mm -hmm. Rhymes with couch. Okay. Now, when I heard him sing, I'll hail the power of mm-hmm. Jesus' name, I was like, okay, that's really cool. Mm-hmm. It is low. It is like as different from me and you singing. <laughs> we as, need it because we've been singing I high know, all night. As you can get. And yeah. I thought our listeners would really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. He's a bass and he's a part of the the gospel singing group Legacy 5. So he does have solo stuff out, but he's with this group. And I mean, we're going to share all his information, mm. but people need to learn about this legacy five so they perform all over coming up in october they're going to be at the praise fest 
fall retreat in Branson, Missouri. Wow. So if you're there October 23rd to the 25th, um, they're also going to be in Mesa, Arizona at the Southwest Gospel Music Festival. Wow. I mean, how can we get there? Yes. In January of 2024. So you can definitely check out the tours, check out the events. He may be coming to a location near you with this Legacy 5 group. Um, For those of you who listen to the episode right on the day we release it, today is Monday, October 9th. Um, In just five days, he'll be celebrating his anniversary with his wife, Candace. They were married on October 13th, 2007. So thank you, Matt, for letting us share your music with our listeners. And I hope everyone can just enjoy this bass voice solo singer, Matt Fouch. All hail the power of Jesus' name. All hail the power of Jesus' name, let angels prostrate fall. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him Lord of all. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown His feet may fall We'll join the everlasting song And crown Him Lord of all We'll join the everlasting song So, Carrie, you were right. His voice is low. Isn't it awesome? I would love to sing with him. Like, let's get a tenor and do the four of us. Well, we have to share his Legacy 5 stuff. Because you can hear how low he is. He would be that rock-solid foundation Mm. of the group. Mm -hmm. All right. So, Kelly, we are at the time of the podcast where we talk about hymn takes. Mm -hmm. So, Brenda... From Illinois, Mm -hmm. shared hers, and I actually love hers. Uh Uh-oh. And my first thought was like, that's mine too, that's mine too. Mm -hmm. She said her favorite part is when it says, hail him who saves you by his grace. Mm -hmm. Because it's all about his grace. And that's how we can even approach the throne to bring the crown Mm -hmm. is by his grace. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was really sweet. I know. I mean, I feel like 
that's one I would want to pick too because it's, you know, it's bringing home the message of salvation. Well, and it's like, yes, we praise him. We praise him that it's all about praising Mm -hmm. him, but we we wouldn't even approach him Mm -hmm. without his grace. Right. And we read in Perrine's words that he talked about being a sinner first. So it's like we were all sinners first. And then because of his grace, we can, we are saved and can praise him. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. So thank you. Thank you, Brenda, for bringing this to Mm -hmm. our attention. You know, I have to say, Brenda asked for it a long time ago. Really? Yes. She has been very patient. Thank you, Brenda. But I can't think of a better hymn for episode 90. What a great, powerful, majestic hymn to celebrate a pretty big milestone. Yeah, so if you have a hymn request, we'd love to hear from you. Brenda wrote us on Twitter, but you can find us on Instagram. Facebook. You can even leave a comment on YouTube on one of our videos mm-hmm. or just email us at hymntalktwintalk at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Thank you for listening, everybody. Thank you, Brenda. Thank you, Matt. And we'll see you in two weeks for a brand new episode. Episode 90. One. One. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Bye. Keep singing.